Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales. It's the best part of your week. All right, we're coming at you with a requested topic today, so really appreciate you guys joining us. We're gonna try and clear up a big misconception surrounding PPE. So it's Fred and Dave here with Quad City Safety. Um, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. I know I say it every episode, but really would appreciate hearing from you guys and getting your feedback either on the podcast or any questions that you might have um, really on anything safety or PPE related. Or you want to talk sports? I'm I'm into that. Uh, folk music. Folk. What, what, okay, like Bob Dylan folk. Yeah, movie. whatever you want to talk okay. about. I'm I'm willing to take the questions, and I'll do some research, and we'll get back to you. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the the whole thing that we're trying to present here is, you know, you don't have to live in a vacuum. Uh, safety, despite the fact that the most of the world tries to turn it into the boringest shit on the planet, that's doesn't have to be. Yeah, and you know. Who cares what? Why you believe in safety? You can believe in safety for. I always put it as there's two reasons that you believe in safety. One is because there is proof that there is a financial return. So the financial return. The second is that you get to go home and do whatever it is you want to do. So whether you're trying to just work to get home so that you can do those other things, or you're you're doing it for just that financial incentive. It only makes sense. So right. who gives a shit which one you pick? Pick one. But we're here to make sure that you pick one and, you know, help you with that. Yep. That's a, whatever you want to do on the weekends. If you're a, a golfer or a fisherman or a hunter, you want to Disc get home golf. And take care uh, of it. Maybe you're, like, into, Disc like, golf, yeah. like, world-class hacky sack or something. Speaking of golf, did you – I don't know if you caught – it was this past weekend. It probably wasn't as we're recording this. It was this past weekend. I'm not sure when this will this will come out, so it could be month old news by the time it is. But over the course of the weekend in the golf tournament, it's like my biggest pet peeve with with golf. Obviously, is that you you don't make any noise. That the crowds that are there mm-hmm. like they get shushed. Uh, yeah, for the most part. The most, there's there's that one. Yeah, like the waste management open in like Phoenix. Yeah, that's the only like where that. where it's like I mean. I think they say, like, there's 70,000 people on the last hole or something like that. So, yeah. I think it's the 16th because I think you can see multiple holes from the the seats. Something like that. But that's the only one where I've ever seen where it's, like, these people are drunk and obnoxious. Yeah, they get there at, like, 5 in the morning. And then golf doesn't start until, like, 11. And everybody's shit-faced by the time it's rolling. Yeah, but the tournament that was this weekend, um, there was a golfer that actually won the tournament. Is it Justin Thomas? Okay. He's, like, 24. And he, he's part of the, uh, yeah, yeah, the bros or whatever yeah, they are that yeah. go vacation together. Yeah. But the, you know, think about, imagine being that age. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> 22 both, years yeah. old, 23 years yeah, old. They've got plenty. Millions. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, he, he hit a shot and as the ball is like flying through the air, one of the guys in the crowd goes, I'll get in the bunker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden he watches it lands, lands right in the middle of the fairway. And the, the golfer turns around. He goes, who said that? Who said that? Did you say that? 
Did you say get in the bunker? He goes, all right, have a nice day. You're gone, buddy. And got him kicked out of the golf tournament for that. Really? Yeah. And they actually kicked him out. Like, I was like, you pussy. Like, <laughs> I don't care if the guy was saying that. Like, shoot, I like, would uh, turn and laugh. That, <laughs> that would be like. Yeah, especially the lands in the fairway. Yeah, I just hit the center of the fairway. Or at the end of the tournament, go like he was like he apologized, but like at the end of the tournament, you got to go full heel. Did he did apologize for getting the kid? Uh, like the next day or something like that, he apologized. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the tournament, you got to go. Yeah, ask that guy that I kicked out how how I, how it went. I just won the tournament. Yeah, yeah. You got to go full dickhead if you're yeah. gonna try and do it that way. But yeah, it's my. I don't know how you can be like, like in sports. You can have guys to root against. I feel like it's all right to. Yeah. I'm a, a White Sox fan and I hate the Cubs and I'm a oh, Tiger Woods fan and I hate I, Justin without, Thomas. Without that, without that diversity there, I don't think you would have sports. Right. Or people might play sports, but I think part of that, that whole draw is, you know, me growing up, it was University of Louisville, University of Kentucky. Right. To this day, you know, the, I hate L fans. I yep. mean... I start talking to them. I get I get noticeably pissed off about something that I I didn't go to the University of Kentucky. Yeah. I've got no like nobody's ever done anything to me. Right. But, but but you know just that I don't know that grit you know that you that you see. I mean like uh, you know Super Bowl, and you got you got one team that's ready to spit on the other team. You know the fans yeah. are ready to you know they're like. Literally, if you go, don't wear any of your jerseys right. or anything because these guys are going to beat the, you know, it's a city of brotherly love, but they may beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. Threw stuff at Santa Claus. Yeah. Anyways, to the topic of the day, um, kind of titled this one, PPE is the last line of defense, not the first. So kind of want to talk a little bit about when a job or task is risky, why, um, Putting PPE on should really be the last thing that you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, really to start with, I mean, probably the biggest problem when we talk about safety is there's there's these these lines between risk management, um, the original engineering, and then safety. So what happens is all of a sudden somebody comes, you know, you know, Let's say they're building a building, okay? So somebody comes in there and, and, you know, this architecture builds this beautiful structure and then all of a sudden you're looking at it and you, you go, how in the hell did we end up here? Because now we have to do, I'll give you a classic example, is uh, City of Davenport builds this new police station, okay? And they put this... Uh, they called it a green roof. So it's basically a grass structure. You know, it's meant to have a yard on top of the building right. or whatever. But it's green and it's it's all this good stuff. Yeah. And it looks pretty from looking at it, I guess, from my drone's perspective or whether because you can't really see it from street view. Yeah. So all of a sudden I get a call one day and the whole goal, the problem that they had was to get somebody up there Somebody had to go weed it and do maintenance with it. Well, nobody had ever figured out how the hell this person was going to get there. So literally, they take me out, and I'm like, 
I'm laughing at myself because I'm like, you're going to need $20,000 worth of fall protection because you have to go out on a roof. You have to walk roof line. Yeah. You have to traverse down a ladder. And then you have to put in, you know, basically, you know, a restraint system, you know, so that because you got a leading edge in front of you. Right. And that's, that's one where all of a sudden they're calling us going, hey, we need PPE. And with some basic engineering controls, you know, from the from the start when that architect started doing that, if if the people that manage the risk or even a safety professional looked at that and was it even given the consideration to go, what do you think about that? Somebody could have said, Well, how in the hell is you know, how in the hell are you gonna maintain that without because right. you've got to get here because there's no other way to get there. How's the guy gonna take the oh, hedge clipper out? Wait a second, maybe we should put a door here or right. maybe we'll build a guardrail in or you know but those are things that how to say um those are things that could have been solved you know in the beginning so going back you know a hundred years in my life not a hundred years that's bullshit but back 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 in the day yeah back so, in the day when you walked uphill both yeah, ways. yeah and it was snowing and all that shit so. yeah but uh you know i, I would I worked around tobacco a lot. And so, you know, I look to that as a good example also is where there's all this stuff going on. So basically, it's time to cut tobacco. So the first thing you're doing is the way that you walk through the fields and cut it. Well, you're swinging knives all over the place. So if you're not paying attention, you know, the whole problem is you can cut yourself. Yeah. Then you got the process of putting it on your uh, tobacco sticks. So you're actually picking it off the ground, putting it on the sticks. Then you have to lift it to a scaffold wagon. Then you have to move it to a barn. And then you have to pass it up through these rafters that are not, you know, uh, how to say, the structure's not sealed down so nothing's nailed. So everything's moving around. You have no fall protection on. And, you know, you look at that and you go, that's a perfect case scenario that we could start over right? and figure out how, you know, number one, where, where the, the risks are, you know, the potential hazards are and start and kind of go, what could we engineer out of that? And the answer is not always going to be, well, we'll just put PPE on, right. you know, we'll put, you know, cut resistant products. We'll put, what if we changed some of the tools? Uh, what if we changed or we utilized, you know, uh, some 2018 mentality and technologies to pick and lift and place? There's there's a lot of things that we could re, reinvent it. And the whole, uh, it wouldn't be all centered around the fact that um, there's going to be unsafe practices, so we just have to, take that we're putting ourselves in the, you know, the line of fire. So we need to put our, you know, our uh, bulletproof vest on and run into it. Right. Even like some, in regards to like cuts, I'm trying to think of some other like examples. I know fall protection obviously is a big one that there's all different kinds of ways that you can Mm -hmm. engineer something so that a guy can't fall. I mean, it could even be, uh, or I guess they like restraint stuff. Well, well, I mean, one of, I was I was at a class preventing team. someone from getting to a fall. Yeah, but I, I was talking to somebody. Or this was a story 
somebody told in class, and um, it was centered around it was a manufacturing facility, and um, the problem that they had was there was a piece of machinery that people could walk through. So the break room, there was like a, a piece of machinery, and the break room was on the other side of it. So somebody would hit the button, and the machine would close and do its, you know, yeah. whatever it was supposed to do. I'm not sure exactly what it was supposed to do. But people would continuously walk through that. So there was never, nobody ever put, you know, uh, a control there. Never put, you know, all they would have to do is put a wall there or put some way that people would go, no, dumbass, don't walk through here because, you know, this thing moves and crushes. Well, what happens? Some poor bastard gets squished in it. And now they're, they're dealing with it. And that was that's a case in point where who cared you know you couldn't have put him in enough PPE to keep him out of harm's way. Yeah. So again, going back to the you know, I would say probably scientific wild ass guess. Let's go eighty percent just to follow Pareto's uh, little analysis is eighty percent of the PPE that people are wearing wouldn't be needed if people would just pay attention on the front end of processes and when they're designing stuff. Right. And that's not good for us to say because that's how we make a living, but that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. Is doing, you know, that front end engineering of the process and putting controls in place are really how to say the safest long term uh, that's where you get your payoff long term. <laughs> But we don't do that because we don't involve, again, those people that are in risk management or safety a lot of times in the front end of, of things. It's starting to happen a little bit more and more now, but we also have structures and facilities and yeah. plants all over the place that have you know never had any of that methodology put in place. Do you have any examples of kind of ways that, that like the hazard might be engineered like completely out. Um, there, there's, there's. It's always like there's it's, safeguards, and then there's a way to like completely get it. So it's like we don't have to do that job because of something that maybe that. Yeah. Happen. Well, like a classic example there is is can be uh, fume extractors or you know just utilizing uh, systems that push air, move air. So that, you know, if you're not subjecting somebody to the fume or whatever, because you're actually pushing it out of the building, yeah, you know, you don't, all of a sudden, you don't have somebody that has to ha wear a respirator. Granted, you got to make sure that there's not still an exposure, that somehow something's not messed up. But, you know, that's a, that's a case in point where looking at, you know, this guy's doing this and all we need to do is, you know, let's say like, uh, you know, silica's big out there. Yeah. And when you when you kind of read through the standard on silica, uh, part of that is um, deck with your thumb. Yeah, you know this thing never <laughs> um, never shuts up. But um, when you when you look at the there's an appendix that tells you how you can safely perform tasks, um, and one of the main things that is in there is, you know, using a wet cut. Yeah. So, you know, all the time, you, 
I mean, everybody has driven past, you know, the guy has like, not any high vis. He has an orange shirt that it looks like he wiped his ass with and has washed it, or he doesn't have it on. Yeah. And I mean, they're, it looks like their skin is leather. Yeah. And they, they have that big concrete cutting saw, and they put it down, and just dust and shit is going everywhere. We've well, driven through it, like just been like on the highway and yeah. drove through. You're like, and, and you can breathe it through your car. Yes, like, oh. and you have this waft, and, and you sit there and you go, you know, realistically, somebody could have rigged up a damn garden hose just, just to put water on that cut. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we don't have... We don't have the same hazard that we had before. Yeah. And it, all it was is water. Right. Because the silica doesn't have a chance to get airborne. It gets stuck in the water and it stays there. Yeah. I think sometimes that we're PPE guys. So it's like when I, when I start hearing about the silica standards and all this stuff changing, my mind immediately goes to, all right, well, we're going to be selling more PPE like in regards to this stuff. And as you kind of, delve into it a little bit more it's it's more of an engineering thing like yes there are still applications where they're going to create this dust and they need Absolutely. to wear something respiratory but there's most yeah cases, there's the whole lot, lot of people that are walking out there that are exposed that don't have personal protective equipment it's, right but of those at least half those guys if they bought a, a vacuum yeah uh, like uh there's different vacuums out there with attachments that they can put to the tools that Backing that shit out of the... Right. Out, then you don't need anything. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yep, just, uh, I guess, that is a thing, though, that the, a lot of times the safety guy will think, all right, here's the hazard. Let me protect my... Here's how I can protect him with PPE, or here's here's what, here's what happened to this guy, and here's what could have prevented that in yeah, regards yeah, yeah. to PPE. Let's Instead of challenging ourselves to go all the way back and go, number one, do we need to do that? Right. We're wearing a cut-resistant glove right now, but we got a cut that went through the glove, so let's get more of a cut-resistant glove. Let's get a higher yeah. cut-resistant glove instead of looking at the knife that you were using. And being like, all of a sudden you realize that, oh, man, if we just have an auto-retracting knife, yeah. we our cut level three might get the job done instead of going to a cut level nine. Yeah, and then all of a sudden... you can do the job. Yeah, and the cut level nine, then all of a sudden everybody has, you know, Issues with their with their hands because you know there's no dexterity in the glove. Yep. Or they take their glove off because they can't do their job with their glove on. Yep. All right, so we're gonna move on to our uh, our dumbass of the week this week. It's the dumbass of the week. And I'm gonna call this guy tough guy. We can call him tough guy Tommy. I don't know. Anyways. Ran into, ran into these and guys a lot. Tough guy Tommy is a created guy. He's created? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, because of the premise, he's created. He, um, he doesn't just, you know. Yes. So, anyways, he is uh, someone that got a pretty gnarly cut at work. So, he was working uh, stocking shelves or cutting boxes up, and he, uh, he dashed his hand pretty good. But at the end of the month, they're going to reach their 100 days. 100 days accident-free, and they're going to have a barbecue where they get hamburgers and hot dogs for lunch that day. And so tough guy Tommy just puts a, just wraps up his hand where he 
probably should have gotten some stitches, wraps up his hand and goes back to work because he doesn't want to report anything because he wants everybody to be able to get their hot dogs at the end of the week. Doesn't want everybody to give him a bunch of shit over over hot dogs. Yeah, for being a, for being a real pussy, man. <laughs> just wrap your hand yeah. up. Yeah. So a few days goes by and you start noticing old tough guy Tommy's still wearing his wrap on his hand. And then another couple weeks go by and he's still wearing a wrap on his hand to protect. And you go, hey man, what's going on with your hand? And he takes it off, and the cut's infected. <laughs> and so now he's got a much bigger problem than if he would have just reported it in the first place. And I think that happens a lot, like, when they have reward systems for yeah, yeah. not having accidents. Well, you get you get the anti-behavior behind yeah. it. Is people get so worried about, you know, you know, a safety bonus or whatever that it's like... And again, it's sometimes it's that... Uh, Mob mentality is not what I'm looking for, but when you're the one one out of the hundred that's going to keep the other ninety nine from getting their hot dog, right? You you have you have some emotional fear to, right. to not you know to not report and not reporting. You know, I was just uh, again I, I I think I was reading it somewhere, and it talks about the cost of work comp. Okay, uh, you know, a workers' compensation claim. And the whole premise of the article was the sooner that you report it, yeah. the lower that is in total cost. And they said something to the fact that if the accident's not reported within 48 hours, the work, the end cost of this, a similar accident is about 25% more. And, you know, that can be a hundred different ways from Sunday. Maybe it's because it was just a basic cut that if, he went into the clinic and got stitched up. He'd be fine. Yeah. Versus maybe we turn around in the other instance, you know, it's infected. And let's say it's gotten to the point where it's like, let's semi gangrene, you know, kind of have a, has a stench and they're thinking about cutting, you know, we may have to cut him off at the wrist or whatever. So, you know, claim a versus claim B is completely different. And the only thing that was different was that we identified that something happened. We kind of, you know, again, this this world's got to get over the fact that we should be able to open and talk about stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just like near misses. I mean, a lot of people, you know, nobody wants to talk about a near, near miss. I would probably say have a hot, hot dog or when somebody comes up and goes, you know what? I almost bashed my fucking head in, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and and then everybody goes. That, I did that too. Yeah, I I, I did that too. And yeah. then, how do we fix that? And let's sit down and eat hot dogs and talk about how we don't do this collectively instead of. Okay, we're gonna give you a hot dog as long as you don't tell anybody that you got hurt right. and try to act safe and wear your safety shirts and you know, you know, put a sticker on your hard hat. Yeah. Safe, 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 safe. Instead of just going, you know, shit happens. We need to be open. We need to talk about it. If somebody has a near miss, celebrate the fact that they're willing to come out and tell other people, you know, I was a dumbass and I did this, you know. Right. I was doing this job and I didn't get the amount of sleep that I should have. We really need to, you know, I need I need to be aware of it and everybody else needs to be aware that you got to pay attention when you're on that thing because... I almost crushed Billy. Yeah. I was this close to crushing Billy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and celebrate that and talk about it. 
Yeah. I do, I not do think... Not crushing Billy, but, you know... Yeah, I do not, think sometimes you, someone gets hurt, and they get hurt doing something that you wouldn't even realize is a hazard until it happens. So, like, if that person, like, shuts up and doesn't say anything about it, the next person can go and do the you same lost, thing. You, you lose the knowledge. Run. Yeah. It's kind of like... Uh, it's almost like scientific discovery. Like, right. you're literally like, you know, there's Bigfoot! Yeah. And, you know, but... Shh, and then I never get my Bigfoot sighting, and it's gonna it's gonna haunt you till the day you die. Yeah, it's gonna ruin my life. So what what the old tough guy should have really done was report his injury right away. He takes it to his safety people or his risk people or his HR manager. Say, hey, this happened today. I think I need to get stitches. They're gonna snap into action when that happens because nobody's ever gonna be, nobody's gonna be overly happy. Right. And that's not on the person that got hurt. If somebody's not happy, that, that that's that's on that should be on the management of the safety team because realistically, they need to address what happened because let's say it was ignorance, let's say it was lack of training, let's say it was wrong PPE, let's say it was no PPE. Yeah, is we have a recipe how to say then we have a known variable that then we can kind of fix figure out how we do make it safe. You know, maybe we can. We just go scrap that to hell with that. We're gonna we're gonna reinvent what we're doing, and we're gonna do some uh, you know whether it's hazard analysis or you know shadowing and just watch. Let me watch how you do this because I'm missing something. Yeah. And that that's a lot of times the problem is somebody goes, I'm doing this, and I'll, all the time you know we'll have people call all the time and go think that they can just say. I'm, I'm doing these things and they read you these three sentences off and it's like, no, I hate to say this, but I really need to come see what you're doing. Right. Because I, I hear what you're telling me, but obviously if somebody can get hurt, I want to make sure I, I have, I understand the magnet, you know, well, I didn't realize that that press was a 10 ton press and yeah. that you, you know, you told me that you were worried about handling parts and there's, you know, there's a pinch hazard that will literally take your arm off, and you never even mention that. Yeah. Yep, so I guess just got to not be afraid to look out for our own safety. Like when they're, and your buddy, that you yeah. see you see uh, somebody cut and their and finger and, and it's dripping it's, blood down their hand. And, and safety like, managers have to champion those people. Yeah, to come forward. And, you know, I think too often they put, they put the stupidest shit labels on shit and once you put a label on it, it you know whistleblower right i mean yeah, nobody wants to be that nobody guy. wants to be a whistleblower i mean we've, we've we have this we have this hood mentality in the world that's like you know whoever's in charge us street people should never you know don't don't tell the police right. you know screw the police and that's that's a horrible mentality to to, to create. Yeah. All right, we're going to get past that. We'll move on to uh, some email questions for this week. Uh, number one, I got, uh, what's the difference between qualitative and quantitative fit testing? Quite a bit. So, quantitative, we just have to think about numbers. So, quantitative uh, requires a quantitative fit tester, which is, you know, kind of a high-ticket item. They're not cheap. But it's really kind of measuring 
at a particle level, level what the fit factor of a respirator is. So when we put a respirator on, basically we're not, um, and again, this is a filtering face piece. So the key, the key word there is filtering face piece. Yeah. So we're not providing an atmosphere. We are trying to cleanse an atmosphere. So if we've done our homework and we figured out what we're subjected to, whether it's gases, vapors, particulates, we've sat down and we figured out, and then we've gone back and we figured out how much we can have. And then we have to figure out what our exposure is. And from there, then, you know, so most of your uh, half face or just, you know, um, disposable respirators have an APF of 10. So there's a design protection factor of 10. So what that would tell you is uh, if you went out there and it says, hey, you can have an exposure of nine parts per million, okay. for instance. And all of a sudden you sit there and you look at um, your lab data comes back and it says there are 90 parts per million in the air. Okay. So we would take that 90 and divide it by 10 because we get the fit factor of 10. So we're, we're, we're cutting that down to nine and all of a sudden we go, oh, we were in an environment of 9D. We could have nine and with an APF of 10, we could get there. But let's say all of a sudden the, there's 500 parts per million out there. Well, no, because then if we applied our fit factor of 10, we would still have 50 that we're theoretically getting. So, all right, I'm going to stop you right there yep. real quick. I want to make sure that everybody that's in their car driving rolls down the windows and feel that air blowing into your face. Maybe start putting like a pin needle. I know that we're getting a little bit, uh, quite a few numbers, so I want everyone to keep that car on the road. So, yeah, I'm sorry. don't smash it into a building. Yeah, right. I, I got off on a rabbit hole. <laughs> Jesus. But quantitative fit testing figures out what specifically that number is versus qualitative is kind of, well, here, you can taste this, right? Right. Yeah, now I'm just going to kind of squirt it around your face. And since NIOSH approved the respirator, you you get 10. As long as you pass the test, you get 10. And the problem is it's a subjective test. Right. So if you get if you get some, you know, some dumbass that's not paying attention, he goes, yeah, I'm good. And all, the whole time he's, you know, tasted, yeah. tasted the Bitrix or the banana oil then you're not, you're not doing anything. You can't really fake a, a, a quantitative because there's a computer measuring it. Right. And you can get a higher fit factor, even though you, you're not necessarily going to use it, is you have a more scientific approach with a, a quantitative than a qualitative. Yeah, I, I think to the, to the contrary, too, that just like someone will be, will be able to taste that stuff the whole time, and they'll be like, no, I don't taste it, no, I'm good, or they're just lying because they want to go back to work. You also get the guy that's like, somehow he always tastes it. Like he might have had a adjustment on his face piece, and then that stuff is in his mouth, and then he readjusts it, and you test him again, and he still tastes it. Oh, there's earlier. A, there's a hundred which ways that he's got a little furry mustache that he doesn't think is breaking his seal, but like it actually. But he's not. He's seal. not. I'm not cutting it. Yeah. You know, you you see these guys that. Oh, you know, yeah. 
got a Ulysses S. Grant Civil War beard and they show up to the job site and the first thing somebody's telling them is you need to cut your beard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes they'll put on the fit test and you spray the stuff and like, I'm sure it's caught in their beard or caught in their mustache and they're not tasting it. They're like, no, it does, it's, it's fine, it's working. But yeah, I've gotten some arguments with some people. Yeah. Like, your, your boss probably should have told you that you need to shave before even coming in here. Don't make me be the bad guy. Like, I'll be the bad guy. I don't have a problem doing that. Anyways. So one is... Sorry I went down a rabbit hole. (laughs) It's all good. One's basic computer is measuring it. And the other is just more of a generic putting on a hood, spraying some solution and seeing if you can taste it. Yeah. It's a pass fail. It's a pass fail. Yep. Number two, if an employee wears eyeglasses, is that sufficient for eye protection? Depends if it's rated. Okay. So if they wear their regular pair of Ray-Ban glasses that they got at the eye doctor are there it would have to be no because yeah they're going to have to go they're going to need to tell you know their uh, optician or whatever whoever's whoever's grinding them down or whatever that hey i'm i need a a safety lens in this because they're just because you know from the principle something's better than nothing okay but we're supposed to be you know kind of a safety podcast here yeah so with that said, is making sure that you have something that that's that has that impact standard. So a you know a Z eighty seven because you know it's it's a it's a system. So right. it's not necessarily the, just the lens. It's it has to be tested as a system. So it's the lens and the frame. So it's not like you just go lens is good. You know you don't see like uh, yeah. safe. You don't see safety glasses with those. Uh, Aviate real skinny ass aviator frames. Yeah. So yeah, it's you don't see the John Lennon two little circle safety glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's something there to that's a little bit more complicated than just going and going. Oh, I have a barrier between my eye and whatever, yeah. whatever the hazard. I'm wearing my Lisa Loeb glasses. Lisa Loeb, yeah. love Lisa Loeb. Anyway, so saw her, saw her years ago. Man, she could sing the bone, but she's yeah. pretty good. <coughs> she sang a little song about pancakes. She's got like a whole catalog of just when she had kids and she got out of the mainstream. She started doing like kids albums, and I mean that uh, it's been a couple of years that I saw, but she sang this song about a friendly pancake, and it was it was. Pretty good. It was moving. Yeah, it was kind of, it was, I was like, I didn't hate that. And it was like a nursery rhyme kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, we you put that down on a CD, I'll pick it up. Yeah. All right, number three. When is it okay to wear a bump cap instead of a hard hat? Oh, man. There's, you know, there's a case for bump caps, and I get it. So a bump cap is going to be tighter fitting. Um, it's, Arguably, maybe a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it is not rated for impact. So, you know, if there's a chance that something is falling, and I mean, that's where why you wear a, a hard hat is is you have the potential for material that's falling from a you know a different height or you know a different floor height, whatever you want to call it, from above you. Yeah. 
um, you need to have a hard hat. So, but let's say I have no potential hazard that way, but let's say I'm, I'm in, I've got to crawl into a crawl space. I'm, I'm Joe Termite guy. And I, I have to get under here and there's floor joists and I just want to make sure I don't just don't bust my head open. Yeah. And when I hit, you know, as I'm, you know, I'm commando crawling with my, my bucket of termite juice. You know, that's a case where you could, you could go, you know, bump cap might make sense. Maybe like a mechanic. Some yeah. Sort that's some, like working in places, like working in yeah, tight spaces. Tighter spaces where you have the potential not necessarily to have something strike you, but somewhere where you might strike your head against something. Okay. So, I mean, almost simple. The hard yes, hat is designed to protect something from falling on your head, and a bump cap is designed for you to bump your head on something. Yes, keyword being bump. Right. Yep. And not crush, not crush your skull. Yeah, absolutely. So, so. All right. Well, that, that wraps up the email questions. I was going to move on so the... I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I'm a, somehow I got started getting Sports Illustrated. And I honestly, I'm not subscribed to Sports Illustrated. They've not gotten any money from me. Um, somehow they know something, though. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think from time to time, some of these magazines that are probably struggling in the new age of everything being <laughs> online, yeah. they've started wrapping their subscriptions into other things. So, like, I, at one point, I got, I ordered a golf club from a website online, a new driver, and it was like any $100 purchase that you made with them came with a free subscription to Golf Magazine. Okay. And it would be automatic. Like, it wasn't like you signed up for it. It was like, I gave him my ship to to ship my golf club to. I'm also now enrolled in Golf Magazine, and so yeah. I got it for a year. Yeah. And so I'm assuming something like that happened with Sports Illustrated, where I bought something, or I signed up yeah. for something, or maybe somebody gifted it to like. They're like, you buy Sports Illustrated and you get one free for a friend. They didn't tell me about it. But anyways, started getting Sports Illustrated. And it had been since probably high school that I'd gotten an old swimsuit issue. Like the Kathy Ireland one? Yeah. So this one's got uh, Danielle Harrington. So she's about right at my speed. So I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't turn her away at a, at a old country buffet. <laughs> she came walking up to me and said, "Hey, can I? Is this seat taken?" I'd say that seat's not taken. So, if my wife's in that seat, I'm sorry. Yeah, she'll come back and she'll understand. But anyways, on the back, so on the front cover, you got a very uh, sexy pose here of uh, Danielle Harrington. Yep, the water splashing on her. So, but on the back cover is a Snickers ad that for the swimsuited issue, and it says, uh, the goddesses of asbestos removal. So it's a, a woman wearing a, like a Tyvek suit with a bikini over the top of it. So it says, these these hot newcomers bared it all inside of polypropylene hazmat suits. It says, from respirators to disposable coveralls, this year's sexiest safety equipment. So Dave, Sparked something in my head, and we did it in an episode last season, but I'm going to take you back into the shark tank. Or we'll call it the pig tank. Where I'm going I'm I'm to come up, I'm going to give you a couple pitches on some different products. Okay. And you can yay or nay and tell me if you'd like to invest. So am I being like a Mark Cuban, or am I being Mr. Wonderful, or... QVC lady, yeah. or uh, Robert, or the shop. I, I see you more as a... 
FUBU. You're the FUBU guy. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's FUBU. So anyways, my number one was <clears throat> rubber tight chemical suits. So you see a lot of that, like, when somebody's uh, like dressed as, like, a supervillain and, like, the X-Men, it's, like, a nice tight suit. So a skin-tight rubber chemical suit. What do you think? Uh, I'm probably not going to buy that because I'm just envisioning most of the guys that I've seen in those plants. Okay. I, I can't imagine that that would be attractive. I don't think it's for everybody. Just, like, uh, uh, maybe a bikini doesn't look good on everybody. Or I, I don't want to see you in a pair of European Speedos out there running around so maybe some board shorts for well, so we have different options but no, for the I'm right for the right person I, yeah I you're guess. trying to be sexy <laughs> all right, so pass on that one yeah all right i got a <laughs> s&m fall restraint <laughs> I, I think you got something there's, there. a, there's, I'm gonna make there's an audience offer. for that i'm gonna one. make you an offer <laughs> Because you know at some point in time, somebody was hanging from the ceiling doing kind of the Superman thing. And, yeah. Oh, shit. Somehow I fell out of All right, whatever. Instead of handcuffs or something, you got some sort of fall restraint, like a like a two-foot lanyard keeping them from getting out of yeah. where you need to be. So, all right, so. They never said anything because they had a ball in their mouth. So. <laughs> right. Or for the same type of situation, you might need some blower fans that we start pushing into that to kind of keep some of the aromas in out of there or... Uh, Keep it a little bit cooler. All right, you're passing on blower fans. Okay. Then. How about clear rain gear? Huh? Huh? You like that? Okay. So you're in some weird, some situations where you're trying to be sexy, you're trying to flaunt what you got, <laughs> but you don't want that yellow suit. So if you put on something clear and plastic, you can yeah. really see what's going on underneath. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're, you know. Maybe fireman calendar. I, I don't know. I got, I got some ideas. All right, so how about... You've seen like the eyewash station that you run through and you pull the chain. Yeah. If you got a real flash dance situation, just for the right moment, you sprint over and you. I can I can see that. You cool off. I'm surprised somebody hasn't really maybe tried to mimic that in a in a, in a safety video. Yeah. We, we can do it. Yeah. Coming soon to quantitysafety.com or uh, the YouTube page. Sit on the chair. Yeah. Throw it back. The- eyewash <laughs> for 15 minutes of continuous flow with tepid water. And then I, I'm thinking a balaclava wig. That one I really like. Okay. Because, you know, you'll see, like, uh, it seems like you see them more and more where it's like the it's like the guy that's in his late 40s. Yep. And he's got, like, his team colors on, and he's bald, but he had he has, like, the, uh, you know, the team, team colors in his wig. Yep. So I could really see a balaclava with that, with, you know, with the wig over it, just like... You know, I came to wire, but also came to park. <laughs> right. You got like long, flowing, blonde hair or a mullet yeah. or something like that. It's built into your balaclava. So, all right, cool. So, that one, that one's a winner. So, we had a couple winners, a couple, a uh, few losers, but we'll, we'll keep, we'll bring it back at some point. So, anyways, I think that's enough for us to, uh, uh, I think that's enough for us this week. So, I don't know what you guys think, but hopefully... We're looking to get some reviews on iTunes, so if you could rate and review us on iTunes, um, send us an email or social media comment. And, and we'll, I promise if I see you review something, we'll send you some swag. We'll send you some something that's fun and entertaining, I guarantee. Yep. Or what was it? What was that guy? I guarantee. He was like the uh, 
Oh, Men's Warehouse? You're going to no, like the way you look? I'll guarantee it. No, 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 no. He was like the Justin uh, Justin Wilson. He was like the old, uh, he had a cooking show back. You probably weren't even born yet, but he was, he was, he would tell stories and cook. Okay. And he was from the bayou, so he, he kind of spoke broken French American. I got gotcha. you. Every time he go, that tastes good. I guarantee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we'll send you some safety, uh, some safety swag. So we even have some actual bacon, right? It's probably yes, still sitting do. in your office. Yes, we do. So candied bacon. Or we'll find some other random shit just to throw in a bag, and we'll ship it your way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Either way. So, um, so if you're not tired of us yet, come back next week. We'll be here. Safety is a really important topic, but a lot of people aren't talking about it like it is, so we're still hell-bent on changing that. So thank you guys once again for listening. Um, so yeah, hook us up. Give us, a, give us questions if you have them, and uh, we'll keep these conversations going. So once again, safety has no quitting time, and we'll see you next week. All right, thanks. Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety. Hashtag Safety Tales. Or email them to Fred at quadcitysafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.